Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hello and welcome to another episode of Game Rivals. I am one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and with me, as always, is Sean Templar. The legendary Sean Templar. The Kojima fanboy. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm okay. It's just super hot in here. It's like 30 degrees and sweating. Still. Yeah, we're, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the weather has been really weird. It was like hot and then it started raining, so it cooled down, which was nice. And then the rain said, you know what? I'm rained out. I'm going. I have the sun. Burn. You'll love it. I heard it's going to be better after Wednesday because then it's going to cool down a little bit. So let's hope that that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, you know what they say. Climate change. What's that? Some people don't believe it exists, right? <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Ah. Much like uh, much like our uh, little thing that we do, um, which is yeah, kind of the thing that we like to do, right? I don't know what you mean. Sounds so big when you say that. Well, playing video games, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love playing video games. Yeah. Some people would say otherwise, but yeah, we do. Hey, uh, I'm so fortunate that I'm not influenced by video games that I don't walk into a school and turn into a mass shooter or whatever issue is blamed on gaming because, yeah, these days gaming is the scapegoat of everything. Mm-hmm. Until something new comes along and then that becomes a scapegoat. Yeah, it, I believe it's either gaming or smartphones or social media or, you know. Oh, no, social media is has its dark sides, believe you. Oh, that, I, that, that, that part I do subscribe to. But, you know, you can't just take the bad without the good. So yeah. You got to balance it out. But gaming is all good. <laughs> you know what is not balanced? What? The story of Death Stranding. Oh, boy. All right. So let's get into the news, uh, which is, of course, the first one. What is this news? So I read an article last week during Gamescom that in five sentences was able to explain what the effing story of Death Stranding is, what 10 trailers by Kojima himself have not been able to achieve. Basically, you're a glorified mailman spreading the good word of the president of the United States of America that hope is still there. And while you spread the word and activate nodes, you also deliver people's packages. How hard was that to explain? And we got, I don't know how many trailers with creepy ass oil marks or walking skeletons or Guillermo del Toro kidnapping a little baby. (laughs) <laughs> or Matt Mikkels rising out from some pit, sending his creepy skeleton soldiers, or I don't know what anymore. But hey, it looks beautiful. But hey, I didn't understand the story until I read that article. Well, the world is messed up in that universe, so that's yeah. part of the world. Yeah, and it's I honestly also part believe of the message that he's spreading. So yeah, I honestly believe the game is has potential based on what we've seen. 
It's just that, you know, it's and maybe it's part of their marketing campaign, but it's so vague, you know, it's just so strange. And and I'm afraid people are going to just stay away from it. And like, yeah, I don't want to play this way. That's the vision of Kojima-san. Yeah, but Kojima-san vision is so is strange. Because let me give you some brief uh, examples in Metal Gear. But for example, the first Metal Gear, totally get the story, totally loved it. Second Metal Gear, I loved the story in the beginning until it got weird with the Arsenal gear and the AIs and whatnot. Third Metal Gear, great story, Cold War, you know, Philosopher's Legacy. And I think when he got to the fourth one, he realized, oh crap, I created so many storylines. I created so many plot lines. I need to wrap everything up. Let me just come up with something really strange and let me just wrap it up in this game. Because to be honest, I thought I re- I bought my PlayStation 3 for 600 euros, you know, one of those first ones. Oh my god. Just for Metal Gear Solid 4, the one that you needed a second job for, right? Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky I didn't need a second job. I just had to save all my money and live on bread and water. Ooh. But oh, uh oh, that's, that's more depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually do that, but um you know, when I got Metal Gear 4, I kind of was disappointed after I finished it, you know. And then with uh, Phantom Pain, it looked really cool again until you get to the ending, and it's really strange again. I, th- I, I, I sometimes think this this man has these brilliant ideas, and then he gets to this point, and he's like, oh, I need to add some weird-ass stuff into it, because otherwise, uh, you know, that's what people expect from me, and then he just does weird things. Why doesn't he just make movies? He wanted to become a director. I believe that's one of his childhood that, dreams. But why does he do- I'm just asking, why doesn't he just... Make movies instead. I think a the process would be easier, and two he'd get his product out way sooner. I think he's really passionate about making games, mm. and yeah. games have a different impact on people than movies do. That's also true. Yeah. Then he could stand to be a little bit more straightforward. Hey. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if it's some Japanese thing or not, but you know. Nah, nah, nah. It's not, man. Um. Uh. What's the Creative director again for um, from Quantic Dream. What's his name again? Uh, David Cage. Yeah, David Cage kind of is the same way. He's weird, man. I met him once at Gamescom. The first year was there, and he gave this uh, keynote around storytelling in games. Man, the guy's French. It's a super cool guy. It's really yeah, cool yeah. how he sees it. But it, I just had to laugh about this, some things he said or the pronunciation. So he said. Uh, when you are do, developing your game, uh, you have to make a choice if you want to have a roller coaster ride or if you want to have like a movie experience. But when he said roller coaster, uh, you, you had me at that, man. I just started to laugh out loud and people looked at me like, what the hell is going on here? But he's a really cool guy. It's just his games. Yeah. I don't know. Dude. What? Right. I love yeah, French people. That's fine. Yeah, I don't mind them either. Um, it's just the French language that uh, is way too difficult for me. You know what's funny about um, French people? That's just some random thing. When, uh, for example, you go to France and you talk to them in English, they're like, no, 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 understand English. No, 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 no. And when those same people go to another country where they don't speak the language, they all of a sudden speak English. That's pretty hypocritical. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I've worked in retail. I know how that is like. Oh. I've, I've had to experience that before. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, speaking of expectation settings. So, um, for those who are not in the know 
about two years ago, for whatever reason, people kept bugging Blizzard Entertainment that they wanted to experience classic WoW. And two years later, they have delivered. Because as of yesterday, classic WoW is a thing again. As in version 1.0 of WoW. As in standing in line for literally hours just to finish a quest. Classic WoW. And you know what? It's surprisingly popular. At least for the first 24 hours. (sighs) Um, It's still going on. So I'm assuming that it'll taper off eventually. Or it might not. Who knows? What I do know is that uh, for some reason, a lot of people queue in to Twitch to watch people play Classic WoW. Um, a lot of people our age. And people playing, of course, too. Um, so yeah, Classic... Uh, if, if if you're not into the MMO scene, WoW, of course, World of Warcraft. Um, not the first uh, MMO, of course. Uh, but the most popular still to this day. Um it still has millions upon millions of uh, paying subscribers who still pay 15 bucks a month to play World of Warcraft. It's the only game that they play. Um, there have been so many expansions now, it's crazy. But for some reason, the older fan base, I'm assuming, um, because I can tell you right now, none of the younger fan base would ever say that they want to play Classic WoW because queuing up just so you can talk to an NPC and they can clear the quest for you. Yeah. The, what is it? Gen Z or whatever you're calling it these days. They don't have the patience for that. It's just the older folks. I never looks played nice World though. Warcraft. I lost a lot of friends to it, but I never played it. And it wasn't my kind of game. Well, I tried it, but that was by the time when I got to World of Warcraft, it was a year later and it, had a whole bunch of patches and it was the first expansion i don't even remember what that was i think it was the burning crusade or something i think that's i don't remember um i got in around the time of the burning uh, burning crusade um played for a while it's not a bad experience um i was not on a role-playing server so that was a bit too much for me i tried it created a character on there but it was a bit too weird for me to stay in character. I just wanted to grind because I'm a RPG guy. Was my first RP it was my first MMO though, to be fair. I think my first was uh, Star Wars the Old Republic. I like that one. And also not a bad one. Yeah. Also went through a lot of growing pains. Mm, but in the end it's still they're still bringing out content for it and it's still a good game. I see a lot of people still playing it. Sometimes I get these weird moments. Hmm, maybe you should play it and uh, just try to log in and Maybe play for like an hour and then I just generally buzz out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's free to play, so sure. But for classic, for WoW Classic, you still have to pay 15 bucks a month. That's strange in this day and age. Which is, well, it is strange because it's WoW Classic, not regular WoW. So unless, unless the subscription carries over between both versions of the games, that would at least make sense. So then you're paying only one subscription. I didn't check that out, by the way. So that I might be wrong in this, uh, but as f- I think you only play the one subscription. I haven't checked it out. Maybe you pay twice. I don't know. But uh, yeah, um, it's drawing a lot of crowds. It's drawing a lot of players. And people are willing to go through all the old school stuff to play Classic WoW. 
Wow. Well, uh, yeah, that is wow indeed. <laughs> I didn't intend to <laughs> say that, but I was like, I, I sometimes say, wow, okay. But now I just realized, like, oh, wow, that's a really fun. Yeah, that, that, that's a really fun pun acronym. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what's going on, at least in the world of PC gaming. Did you see that uh, Nintendo, um, what's it called? Mario Kart is, oh, there's something around Mario Kart being on ah. for mobile devices or something like yeah. that today? So the, yeah, the announcement trailer dropped for Mario Kart Tour, which is coming out uh, to mobile phones. It looks like Mario Kart. It has landmarks in it. Okay. Like there's a track which is based in Paris. You see the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. You see the Arc de Triomphe. And then you see Mario getting taken out by Donkey Kong with a banana. Okay. One of these is not like the other, and it's kind of putting me in a slight existential threat or crisis. Yeah, crisis. So, um, it's weird is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw the announcement this morning and I was thinking, hmm, okay. I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's, it's September 25th. Um, needless to say, I'm going to try it out, of course, because it's a free-to-start game, as Nintendo likes to call it. So. Yeah, we'll see how it plays. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, speaking of existential threats um someone made a boo-boo at amazon which they do tend to do they tend to make these boo-boos which is of course um putting stuff on their website which is not supposed to be there until it's announced and uh this is about a accessory for the nintendo switch a game case but this is not just any case it's themed overwatch Last time I checked, Overwatch was not on Switch. But it is officially licensed by Nintendo and by Blizzard. So, yeah, they took that down as quickly as they put it up. I'm going to tell you what I... I'm going to say what I said before we started recording. I'm happy for you and for all the Nintendo fans out there that they're finally getting Overwatch after so many years. Like with all third-party games coming to Nintendo after many years. Uh-huh. So I'm happy for you guys that you get to experience that if it gets announced, whenever it gets announced. Just like you're getting, and I, I laughed when I heard this today. Somebody said, instead of, I said, hey, The Witcher's coming to Switch. They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's actually, called, some people actually call it The Switcher. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a fun that one. Pretty- that's a fun one. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun one. It is, it's such an obvious pun. I didn't think about it. I had never thought about it. When I heard it, I thought, that's actually a good one. The Switcher is coming to Switch. Yeah. When I heard it, I was like, oh, good grief. They're going to run that one to the ground. I'm telling it that right now. Yeah. They're, that's what they're going to call it. They're going to call it Switcher. That, did you pay Switcher? Switcher? <laughs> is that like Snatcher? Yeah. <laughs> I saw, did you see the previews going up today for the Switch Lite? A few of the gaming outlets had mm-hmm. uh, some hands-on time with the Switch, and they were pretty positive about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, light, durable, comfortable. Comfortable was the thing that actually surprised me because it looks small. It's slightly bigger than uh, a Game Boy Advance, like the classic purple one um, with the no backlight. 
but um yeah it's been pretty positive overall yeah so i mean i'll probably try it out sometime in the future and see how it feels and i'll give you my hands-on impressions on that in the future you're gonna buy one but no because i already have one and if i'm gonna buy one i'm gonna buy one with the better battery life okay even though it's 100 euros more i saw some uh i saw some of the retailers in the netherlands i believe that one is the game mania as one of those uh switch deals that you can trade in your old switch and then upgrade to the new switch with the better better battery life i wouldn't put it past them yeah but um and i have to check i'd have to check their website and see how to do it because um you need both if you want to like transfer all your stuff you need both devices next to each other so ah yeah i can also see the the dutch pricing for the switch light it's 229 which is actually nice which is funny because that is the price for the new 3ds xl really yes but the funny thing is is i'm looking at the site of game mania for example right now and there the switch light costs 229 Mm -hmm. but the switch with the improved battery life is 309. That's not a really big oh, difference. That is interesting because the original price for the switch used to be 329. Yeah, they have a 329 there and they slashed it and they said it's 309. So maybe it's like a yeah, temporary yeah, that, deal. That, yeah, no, no, no. That temporary deal has been there for the past year. But then, okay, I can't look in other people's wallets. And I understand that in some cases, the difference between 309 and 229 is for some people a big difference but i honestly i think i would rather buy a big switch with a big switch a normal switch with better battery life and removable joy cons and a docking feature than keep out and buy the 29 variant well i can i can at least give like an inkling of as to what it is uh, are the reasons why people would choose it? Well, for one, um, people would not rather not spend as much money um, if they're only going to buy it for one game. So those would be the kind of people that play, uh, that would buy the light. Um, the other people are the people that don't care about the docking feature because they usually only play handheld games. Um, the third one, and I told you this before when they announced the light, is parents. Yeah. Parents that would rather not have kids break the the Joy-Cons and have to send it in or buy new ones because Joy-Cons ain't cheap. And five, it's the perfect Pokemon game. Um, yeah. po- perfect Pokemon machine. For people that have been playing Pokemon on the go for years, and that's the way they'd rather play it. They don't care if they can put it on a big screen or not. Yeah, they can just buy the 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 Switch Lite. It doesn't have a better battery life than the current version of the Switch. I mean, it has a slightly better battery life than the original release. My mind, it has a better battery life than the one that I, I own. So yeah. Plus, it from what I read, it shouldn't have the drift problem anymore with the Joy-Cons. So. I think uh, to answer your question about data transfer... I think they're gonna do it in the store. Oh, that's because it. here it that's says it. that uh, if you trade in your old switch, you only have to pay seventy-five euros to upgrade to the new one. That's a pretty good deal. That is a pretty good deal. And but then mine's banged up. 
Yeah. Um, I have a, I still have a, it sounds really spoiled, but I got a really cheap deal off of it. But I have an old PlayStation 4, the original model, 500 gigs mm-hmm. lying here. I'm going to give it to a family member, but uh, I don't know if that person still wants it. But for example, if I trade that one in, I have to pay 129 euros, which is still a good deal. Which is a good deal. Yeah, I might actually do it. I don't think so, but you know, you know, I can be impulsive some, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it says, Nintendo Switch data transfer. It is possible to transfer the data from your new Switch when you come by to collect the uh, new Switch. If you want to more know about this process, there's a link you can click on, and then you need to use your Nintendo account and your email and stuff like that. You need to bring that with you. But you can apparently do it in the store, so... That is, if that's true, that's actually awesome. Yeah, I don't, I think they'll just say like, okay, here's the new switch, transfer the data to the new one and then give us the old one. Okay, bye. Yeah, wow, that would be pretty sweet. Yeah, and what you have to hand in, it says the consoles have to be complete. So it means it needs a power adapter. For a Nintendo Switch console, it means that the left and the right Joy-Con are needed. Uh, a Nintendo Switch dock is needed. No, of course. The joy because you're getting you can you're basically giving the whole set yeah. and you're getting a new set. Anyway. Yeah, so, the yeah. Joy-Con grip is needed, the Joy-Con straps are needed, the power adapter is needed, and the HDMI cable is needed. If there's any doubt around needed accessories, then you can contact one of the stores. The console and the accessories you're handing in need to function normally and it to be <laughs> in okay state or in good state. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. If yeah, mine is pretty eligible. bad. Mine's pretty banged up, so I'm actually kind of disappointed. You can always just try. I mean, just walk by one of those stores and ask, like, hey, man, can I... Oh, no, there's, like, a chip out of the back cover, so... You still can try. I mean... Yeah. I'd probably have to send it in for service anyway. Just play, like, just just pretend you're dumb. Hey, man, I saw you have this uh, trading deal. You know, can I trade this money? Because, you know, everybody wants a Switch. (laughs) You never know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're going to... They're going to do that right up for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, that's it. That's what I wanted. No, that's that's cool. That's good to know. Yeah. For once, I'm actually being a little bit positive around Nintendo. Yeah. So, um, how's your buddy Nathan doing? My buddy Nathan? You want to talk about my buddy Nathan Drake? Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about my buddy Nathan Drake. <laughs> Why not? Because he's retired. He's on holiday or retired or I don't know what he's doing these days. But he has he has kids. You know, he's just living the life. And, you know, he's mm. just... I don't know what he's doing. I, I want to leave him where he is. Oh, he's clearly not making movies. <sighs> must we go there? Yes, we must. Because otherwise we're going to get complaints that we're only talking about Nintendo stuff. Yeah, that's true. So for the people that don't know, there's been a Nathan Drake or an Uncharted movie in the making for, I think, at least a decade now. At the very least. And actors and directors have jumped on and off. At one time, I believe it was Mark Wahlberg who was set to star as Nathan Drake. Really? Yeah, that was in the beginning. Oh, that's a weird casting choice, but okay. Yeah. Now they've casted Tom Holland. Spider-Man. Hey guys. Um in it. He's gonna play a younger version of Nathan Drake. But uh unfortunately the director has skipped down again for the many so many times. It's been always a director that's dropped out, and apparently it's happened again. Yeah, Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah. 
He uh, directed uh, the Clover, the not the last Cloverfield movie, but the movie before that. Cloverfield Twenty One Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, he dropped out. But Sony is still pushing on. They still want to release the movie. I believe it's next year in the holiday season. So they're still pushing. So let's hope they find that director. Without a director? Well, they still they're still committed to a release date for next year holiday season. I think they're just gonna try to find a new director in the meanwhile. Wait, when did they when did they when did they announce a release date? Uh, a while back. Really? Uh, How did I miss that? I don't know. I know that wow. there's also a Metal Gear movie in the making, and that one's also had uh, people drop in, drop out. But now it's um, an up and coming director who's also a huge fan of Metal Gear, and he's pretty serious. So we're gonna have to wait and see if that also happens or not. Wait, who's footing the bill for that one? Um, I at the time it was Sony who had the rights for Metal Gear, so I don't know if they still have the rights, but it was. Um, I believe in the PS3 era at a Tokyo game show, Sony had announced that they had acquired the movie rights to Metal Gear Solid. Huh. I don't know if they're still doing it, but there is a Metal Gear movie coming out, and the director is, I believe, named John Void something. He has a double last name. Let me just quickly look that up. <laughs> um, he's appeared at the the BAFTA, the British Game Awards, I believe, or at a Game Awards show in which he's expressed his huge admiration for Metal Gear, and he's also a gamer, and that he's really into the series, that he's even spoken to Kojima-san, and that he's committed to staying true to the original um, kind of idea around Metal Gear Solid. Hmm. I still feel that I should have done a Metal Gear Solid uh, movie when... Uh... Uh, David Haverdor was still young enough to actually act in a movie. Oh yeah, the the director that kind of caliber. The director's name is Jordan. I don't know how to pronounce it. Bot Roberts, and he's done the Kong Skull Island movie. Oh yeah, I heard that one is good. Yeah, it's I, a, I saw the movie. It's a really good one. And he did uh, yeah. the Destiny Two New Legends Will Rise live action trailer. He did an episode around The Walking Dead spin-off, um, Death Valley, uh, Book Club. I don't know all these, but I do know I did see Kong Skull Island, which I really liked. Cool. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> man. Weird roller coaster. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, so, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Is there any other news that caught your eye? I'm honestly, I keep having this feeling that I'm forgetting something. But I'm having that same feeling. I don't know what. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's like something happened or that we are missing out on something. I know that uh, for the PC people out there, uh, NVIDIA released a patch during Gamescom that uh, increased performance in certain games of up to 23%. For example, a game was like, such as Forza Horizon 4 really got a performance boost. Battlefield 5 got a small performance boost. Apex Legends got a huge performance boost. Um, and they've also added something called super low latency mode or something like that, in which the time of frame is sent to the GPU is decreased. It's, I believe, just in... You can set what, what you want. There's a setting you can turn on and off. 
And if you are have, playing a game which is between the 60 and the 100 FPS, you'll notice a huge performance increase there in response time and in lower latency. They've also in, introduced a new sharpening filter, which is kind of uh, to counter the AMD sharpening filter. Um, that's interesting. <laughs> and well, for 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 the for the for the hardware nuts out there, yeah, it probably is. Yeah, and I think that's it. I mean, everything's silent from a Sony part of view. There's nothing really coming out of the Sony front. Um, I mean, we have. I mean, we have more footage from Kojima to look forward to at TGS uh, this uh, September. So it'll probably be around the time that we record the next episode, either before it or after it. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there, and we'll see what the footage holds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least now we know what it's about, so it's all good, man. Yeah. Oh, thank God, we finally know, and we know before the game came out. <laughs> I just spoke to uh, somebody the other week and said, yeah, I already pre-ordered the game. I'm so excited. Yeah, I can't wait. Did you already pre-order? I'm like, no, I haven't pre-ordered it. He's like, why didn't you pre-order it? I don't want to pre-order it. Why don't you want to pre-order it? Because I don't know if it's going to be worth the money. And then it just kept on going. I'm like, dude, just leave me alone, man. I just, I don't know what to do right now. I'm I'm, in, I'm confused. I'm like, okay, I'll get that. True that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, other than that, yeah, I think... Uh, I, you mentioned oh. something around the Riot stuff, finally getting uh, an end or something. Thank you. That's the thing that I was missing. Jeez. So, um, yeah. So, guys, the guys who have been following this podcast know that we've talked about this a couple of times. The uh, the, the the Riot uh, allegation lawsuits that have been going on there um, with female employees there um, allegating that the, their male counterparts uh, have been... For lack of better terms, naughty. Um, basically doing stuff like dry humping, uh, sexist remarks. Um, yes, no means yes. No means yes, stuff like that. Um, there was this whole case where uh, two, at least two of the employees were suing and then Riot tried to block that lawsuit by forcing them into arbitration, um, which they were having none of, which good for them because that is bad. Arbitration basically means that they settled out of court. And um, that got settled eventually in court. So for now, that saga is basically over. I'm not, I don't have the article in front of me and I don't remember where, where I got it from. So I don't know what exactly got settled. Also, um, probably was set. I think it was settled. Be still be settled behind closed doors. So um, we don't know exact. I don't think they mentioned exactly what was done. But um, at least for now, that chapter is closed. Um, but the, the 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 you know the the employees at Riot are still fighting the good fight there um, for equality and not having this kind of stuff done. And it has made some moves in Riot and in their. Um, contracts so basically anybody who got hired after the whole shenanigans started they have a better deal their the, the arbitration clause has been removed from that 
they also announced that publicly and um so that that's basically it for now but they uh, at the end of the day all things said and done right the 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 developer said rider did something that no other game development studios employees have ever done and you know kudos for that but you know, this is the kind of stuff that needs to stop in the industry as a whole. You don't want your employees to not feel comfortable where they work. You also don't want to work your employees to half to death and just kill all the enjoyment um, of the work. And the work is hard, but that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the work. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, the next time we hear about Riot employees is that they're being treated a lot better and a lot fairer. I hope so as well, because um, I was having a conversation earlier today with a friend who was a really big fan of uh, Grand Theft Auto still. And uh, he said that somebody had referred a game testing uh, job application to him. He saw that on LinkedIn, apparently for a rock star. And he thought, oh, that's so cool. And I said, well, it might sound all cool and great and amazing. But from what we've heard and seen from the game industry, it yeah. looks prettier than it actually is. And at the end of the day, it's working more than you should. It's being underpaid for the work that you did. It's getting the blame for a lot of things that you shouldn't get the blame for. It's mm. eternal fame over actual good benefits such as enough time to rest and getting a good pay. I mean, if you're, for example, a game tester, we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago in which you're actually the lowest of the lowest, you know, you don't get to enjoy the food that's in certain studios. You're like second rank, only the developers first. And if they leave their scraps, you're allowed to either touch that or not at all. Um, so I think that people should be aware that sometimes it looks prettier than it is and that they should be aware that, hey, games is not all that amazing. We get to experience it. It's really cool for us. But in some parts of the world, it's really hard for people to create that product and to give it to us. We just see the end price and product and we just pay for it. But, you know, yeah, there's more to it. Yeah, that's true. All right, that's it for this first segment, which is, of course, our new segment. Stick around for the What You've Been Playing, and we'll be right back after this. All righty, welcome back, everybody, to our second segment, What Have You Been Playing? What have you been playing, Maximilian? Uh, well, the same thing that I was uh, hinting at in our bonus episode, if you happen to catch that, which is, of course, our bonus episode about Gamescom. If you haven't listened to that yet, please take a listen. It's a fun one. Um, other than that, uh, I have been playing more Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, and I have to confess something right now. See, when I... Homie. That's is the world coming storm. to an end? No, that's a thunderstorm. Wow, okay. I saw I a flash. Hear. I was like, oh, no. Oh, I heard that, man. Mm, you heard the window shaking. I did shaking. not like that stuff. Yeah. Um, sorry. Got interrupted there. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Three Houses Confession. Three Houses. Yeah, Three Houses Confession. 
So when I started playing the game, I set it to hard classic mode, meaning that the enemies are way more harder. They avoid damage much easier. Their defenses are higher. And permadeath is on, which is the classic way of playing Fire Emblem. About halfway through the game, I got stuck because I could not beat this last boss battle before it shifts to part two of the story. And after a lot of deliberations, I I had to force myself to switch it to normal because otherwise I wouldn't be able to finish the game. And Astral Chain is coming out in, uh, well, the end of this week. So I need to get get a mosey on before that game comes out. So I've been powering through uh, Fire Emblem on normal, which is a cakewalk. You, they, really, uh, they really need to work on their balancing because now it's like a cakewalk. You, like, for example, if I play a game mm. and I'm really into the game, I'm really deep playing it, and then something else pops up and I start playing that, I tend to never finish the game I was playing. So, For example, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I have something like 40 hours into the game, and just when I started playing that game, Red Dead Redemption came out the week after it. So I was like, okay, okay, I need to finish this game in one week, I need to finish this game in one week, and I never got to finish it in one week. And Mm -hmm. since then, I have tried to finish Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And every time I go back to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I play it for, for maybe an hour, for 30 minutes, and I was like, meh, I'm not feeling this, and I shut the game down. Do you have that when you don't finish games? And you buy or start something new? This You're asking this from the guy who took months to finish Horizon Zero Dawn? I know, but, you know, that's maybe because, for example... I only have a PlayStation. Yeah, I have an Xbox, but I don't use it. I have a PC, which is currently dead, but that's a different story. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. But I mean, normally my main go-to console is my PlayStation. I have only one console, but you have a PlayStation and a Switch you're bouncing between. And I know in general that you like the Switch games more. Than... Well, I can play it in my bed and I can play it on the train on the way to work. So yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking this question. Like, If it's exclusively around Switch games. You have that what I'm having. Yeah, I still have that what you're having because there are way too many Switch games. Wait, let me rephrase that. There are way too many good Switch games, which is a problem that I haven't had since the the DS days. But so if you, for example, if you were to start Astral Chain tomorrow, would you still come back to Three Houses? Well, yes, because... What oof, oof, that ooh, that's a tough one. Probably. Um Well, you're not because, even certain by the looks of it. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, because when I start a new game, I totally committed to it. So that means that whatever it is that I was playing kind of gets left by the wayside. And I don't want it to happen with three houses because I need to finish this fire emblem. Because otherwise it's another fire emblem that I started and got halfway and then quit. Mm. Okay. And I want this to be the first Fire Emblem game that I actually finish, okay. or at least go through the first playthrough, because this game requires apparently four playthroughs in total to get the full story. So at least I want this storyline that I'm right on, I want to finish that. And um, yeah, speaking of the story, um, apparently the person, or at least the 
the um the house that I chose to align myself with mm-hmm. the uh, Black Eagles. Yeah, they staged a coup halfway through the game. Did you experience that, or did you not know that and hear it from someone? Oh no, 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 no! I experienced that firsthand, and I was like, "What is going on here? Um, why, why, why are you, why are you standing with the bad guys? Wait, wait are, are we the bad guys? I, I did not know. And then this pivotal moment came, and then I chose a side, and I stuck to my house, and um, um, we're at war now. Nice. So." Yeah, not nice. I have to defeat. I have to defeat characters that I've gotten to know as students, and it's it's kind of heartbreaking. And Fire Emblem has always had it had it in a way that if you had a chance to recruit a character but you didn't, and they later came back as enemies, they have a way of just having their last words be so sad and set to sad music, and you're like. I didn't want you. To. No, I wanted to recruit you. Why did you not come over to my side? And that's basically what I'm having right now. So, yeah, I guess I'm having existential crises everywhere these days. Um, I can tell you from experience, as the man who unified China and became emperor, I have slaughtered family members that have gotten in my way. Because in the end, I wanted to unify China. Even I got characters that got pissed at me that said, you, you massacred my friends, you executed close relatives. And I thought, for China to be unified, people have to die. And unify, that, I did. That is so eerie because that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Hey, I can't I'm help it, to man. to unify the continent. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> We're both unifying countries in different ways. In my oh, version... Man. I lost 50,000 soldiers, but I slaughtered 100,000. And yeah, um, China, yeah. there is peace and balance in China now. Mm. I just haven't been able to look up China for a month now. I miss it. I, I, I haven't reached that point yet. I'm almost hopefully there. Um, I, honestly, I really want to finish it before Astral Chain comes out. But even if it doesn't, even if I don't get to finish it by the time Astral Chain comes out, I'm still going to finish it by I'm committed to at least finishing the first uh, playthrough of that game. So I'm going to do my best and get that. Aren't you afraid that if you play some other game and you come back to this, that you don't remember what the story was about? Because that's something that's happened to me a couple of times that I just find Mm. the courage and the motivation to go back to an old game. And when I start playing the game, I just completely have no idea what they're talking about or I forgot a lot of things. And and then kind of disconnects me from the experience and says, you know what, I'm just not going to be because I don't feel like it because I don't know what they're talking about or I can't remember. Yeah, but I'm going to force myself to at least play it regularly enough so that I don't have to forget that stuff. Mm. But um, yeah, which is really fun because, um, you know, my friend J-Prof chose a different house. He chose the the Blue Deers um, and he had a different experience when it came to that point. Oh, so it was cool. fun to. So it was really fun to compare notes. Um, I mean, my my uh, my army still has a lot of tragic characters in them, and one one horrible human being. But um, yeah, 
But yeah, uh, I still like I still like my I still like my team. They're awesome. They're compassionate. Best girl Petra, shout outs to her because uh, she's really she's really cool down to earth, even though she's technically a hostage. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a uh, yeah. I mean, that's still a really cool game. Other than that, have I been I have been playing other stuff a little bit here and there. Um, I played No Man's Sky. Um, I bought it for the PlayStation 4 now. Um, it was on discount, so I was like, sure, why not? And the Beyond. Um, and the Beyond. Dang it. Expansion. It expansion. Thank you. Wow, I forgot the word for expansion. <laughs> <laughs> the Beyond expansion was uh, came out, and wow, that thing got patched a lot, by the way. Yeah. Wow. Like, every, like when it came out, every other day was another patch i mean insane yeah and eventually but, uh, they stopped patching it and they just had these huge updates they brought out every few months yeah but they started doing the stupid little patches again uh, apparently right. the apparently the pc version uh the, the the vr version on pc took a hard hit so that was also patched it has been being patched crazy but the playstation 4 version is i think now on version 2.0.9 or something oh damn nine patches Nine patches, and that thing only got updated like two weeks ago. Yeah. So yeah, weird. Other than that, it is it it it's a weird experience because I've played it on the PC before, and it's completely different from basically vanilla No Man's Sky. It's a completely different experience now. And for one, in vanilla No Man's Sky, you just got dropped onto a planet, and the game had like this very short tutorial on how to use how to mine materials and how to steer your ship and walk and stuff and then they just said go explore yeah this one has like a since i'm assuming that this was already introduced in next but i never played the next update um so for me this was all new they added a very broad tutorial i think it's i spent I don't know, man. I think at least 10 hours just going through the dang tutorial. And it was slow and it was cumbersome, mostly because I did not have a lot of space and I just kept mining stuff and I kept running out of space and I needed to build stuff and I didn't have the items, so I had to toss stuff. And then my ship got full. Oh, good grief. It took me forever to get off my first planet. It took me three days to get off my first planet. Well, not Damn. three full days, but... It took me at the very least like five hours to get off my first planet. And then I started exploring. And as soon as you start exploring the solar system, it's trying to force you out of the solar system onto the next uh, solar system. Yeah. First, it's like, take your time and do all these small menial tasks. And then it's like, okay, now go, 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 go. I'm like, no, I don't want to go anymore. I, I only played it in the beginning, but then I quickly realized that you really have to be super motivated to explore and discover. And I'm more of a story kind of guy. So yeah. I really missed the part around the story. And in the first few hours, you're like, oh, yeah, it's really cool. Oh, wow, this is so cool. Oh, they put more emphasis on story. Now. Yeah, I've heard it. But I've, I have the game on my PlayStation. I just haven't picked it up and I'm still thinking about doing it. But 
know, there's other stuff. Well, I still want to try the co-op stuff. So yeah, if we'll, you want to hook it up, we can we can do that and try at least try that. Yeah, let's do that. I'm, right now, I'm on a planet that's really freaking sweet. By the way, it has like a lot of resources. Uh, nice. It's green. No stupid radiation. The initial planet that I spawned on, radiation. I have the worst luck ever. <laughs> so. Yeah, the first planet was radiation. The second planet was good, but it had barely any resources. The third planet in my solar system was freezing cold. And the last planet has superstorms every 10 minutes or so. <laughs> Fun. Happy days. But now I'm in a different solar system. It has kick-ass environments. I'm going to build another... Um, I'm going to build another base there. I build a base on one of the planets in my initial solar system. And I put a portal there so I can always portal back. But uh, now I'm like, you know what? This planet's awesome. I'm going to build a base there one of these days. And um, I'm just going to dip in and out of uh, No Man's Sky. It's a fun experience when you finally get going, like after the dang tutorials. And you have the freedom to do stuff and explore the actual stories that are there. But, wow, that was a slog that I did not expect to have. Yeah. So that's basically what I've been playing. I, um, I'm, uh, I just downloaded a demo for NBA 2K20 on my Switch. So I'll uh, try it out and I'll, I'll give an impression when that comes out. Astral Chain is coming out later this week. So when that's out, I'll give an impression when that's out as well. Suffice to say, uh, it's going to be a fun time. Nice. Yeah. So, what have you been playing, Sean Templeman? Well, I've been giving my uh, PlayStation 4 some love. And I found it difficult to give it some love because I really <laughs> wanted to play some stuff on PC. But anyways, um, I... And this kind of bugged me, really, because I don't understand why. But what? I don't have Battlefield 5 on PlayStation. So, mm -hmm. I only have it on PC. So, to get my kick or my daily dose of battlefield i thought you know what i want to play it on playstation so i looked up in the playstation store it was around 60 bucks and i thought i don't know if i want to spend 60 bucks on this game on playstation as well and then i thought hey there's this thing called ea access that's recently come out okay and then what happened is is i thought hey i have yeah, origin uh, premiere so yeah. i'll just probably just have to log in and i can just carry on with my subscription so I download the EA Access app and I try to sign in with my EA Origin ID and it says, well, no, buddy, that's not how it works. You have to get a subscription. And I thought, what? <laughs> not I could have told you that. Why do I need a subscription? I am already paying 15 bucks a month for this. And I looked it up and I said, no, your EA Access Origin or your EA Access subscription is different than the Origin uh, Premiere or Origin Basic subscription. And I thought, okay, that's strange. So I thought, you know what? Let me look at the prices. So it's four euros a month or 25 euros for a year. I'm like, okay, let me just do it. Four euros for a month until I get my PC fixed and I can switch back to PC. I download the thing. I put Battlefield on it. At the same time, I thought, you know what? Maybe this is a good time to play some Anthem, see how and what kind of state that is. I try to download Anthem and it says, yeah, you can download Anthem, but you can only play it for 10 hours. And I'm like, what? An Origin Access Premiere, or I can just download the full game and I can play the full game as long as I pay my 15 bucks a month. So it was like another letdown. I thought, whoa, I never expected this to be like that. Come on, EA. Well, 
Well, I will say this. I didn't expect that. What I do know is that that's the pricing that they have for Xbox. Yeah. Because it's on top of your... The the idea there is that you're already playing for you're already paying for uh the gold membership for to play online. This is just so that you can play the games. Yeah, but but I did not expect the whole ten hours. Get me, you know, I think in this day and age, a company wants to give a consumer choice, and a consumer wants choice options. So why not give me the option to pay fifteen bucks a month? to get Origin Access or EA Access Premiere, whatever you're going to call it, and give me the full-blown games. Yeah, Battlefield does it, but Battlefield came out last year. I want to be able to play Anthem, you know? Why do you offer me this option on the PC and do you not offer me this on console? Heck, make, say, okay, we see that you have Origin Access Premiere. You're paying 15 bucks a month for it. For an extra five or an extra 10 you can get it on PlayStation with full access instead of having two different subscriptions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what their reasoning behind it is either. And honestly, I don't know if we'll ever get an answer. From a business point of view, it makes more sense to do it that way because you can earn twice as much money on me as now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I downloaded Battlefield 5. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm used to playing PC games and shooters on PC games. So I'm used to that mouse and keyboard combination. And in the past, I used to play my shooters on PlayStation. I mean, Battlefield 1, I played that exclusively on PlayStation. So I thought, you know, how how hard could it be or how bad could I be? And they left you in the dust, didn't they? Oh, my God. I got my ass handed to me so many times. I got so annoyed by it. Because the whole time I'm playing this, I'm thinking, I got this. I had this. In Battlefield 1, I was good. I could get on top of this stuff. And now my ass is handed to me every time. I keep getting shot in the weirdest ways. I'm constantly dying. <laughs> so after a few matches, I kind of started to get into it. And I even became first once or twice. So it kind of work but you know compared to pc there's these really big differences for example when you're shooting with a gun it's far more easier to compensate for recoil with a mouse than with an analog stick so there's this one point i'm trying to aim at a guy and try to shoot at the guy and because i'm not used to the analog stick anymore i shoot all my 32 bullets around the guy the guy walks up to me (laughs) shoots me in the face and i'm dead yay whoop-de-doo oh my god i really wanted to punch myself in the face Oh, good. You wanted to punch yourself at least. Yeah, I was ashamed. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, maybe I should record this. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't need people to laugh at me right now. I'm not in the mood for it. Hey, we'll get them views, though. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, so after that, I uh, felt nostalgic and I downloaded Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to play the single player. And then in the first mission, for some reason, the game bugs and I can't finish the first mission. It says that I'm too sl- <laughs> Did you ever play Modern Warfare 1? Uh, did I? I think I did. So there's this part no, when... No, I did not. No, uh, I did not. I played Modern Warfare 2. There's a part in the first mission that you're on this oil tanker or cargo ship and then something I happens. You remember that, yeah. The ship yeah. blows up and then you have to run to an extraction point. And at the end, when you try to go up the ship, um, apparently the game bugs for me and says, you're too slow. And no matter what I try, it says, you're too slow. Because I... What is it, Sonic? I don't know. I just trip over some object and it's and then I try to walk past it and it says, no, you're too slow. And then the mission ends. So I thought, okay, you know what? I don't have the patience for this. So I switched to multiplayer. Well, kind of same story with Battlefield there. Got my ass handed to me. Um, mm. Put it some time in it. I got better at it. So, yeah. And then 
To my surprise, Activision and Sony announced that they were going to bring out the Modern Warfare, the new one, the reboot, uh, Alpha. So I downloaded that one and I put some time into that. And I'm really happy that I played. Was it just the single player, by the way? For the Modern Warfare Remastered? Mm. I played the single player until it bugged and then I played... Uh... No, 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 no. I mean oh, the, the, new the, one. Re- the reboot. That's yeah. uh, only multiplayer. It was the gunfight mode. So it's 2v2. Uh, mm. The matches are really short. It's one or two minutes. Uh, and it's uh, either you kill the, the opposing team or if it takes too long, there's a flag that spawns somewhere on the map and then you have to conquer that flag and then you win the round. Oh, but okay. the, the matches are really short. It's maybe five or six minute tops. Really? Yeah, it's really quick. That's quick. actually nice and tight. Yeah. Um, not, as, not as tight as Platoon, which is three minutes, but still good. <laughs> Yeah, so there are two options. You can either spawn with guns, and then the guns rotate every round, and then you need to win six rounds to win the match. Or you can start with just your fists and then pick up guns on the map, which is... I played that one mostly because it puts a more exciting spin to it. It also sounds a lot like Battle Royale. Uh, maybe... Wait, in... is, that, is that normal Like in like multiplayer shooter games that you just... You start with just nothing? Uh, I can't that. remember that. So I think this was their maybe in Battle Royale inspired mode kind of. It's really fun because so. it adds some... You can see where the guns no, are. No, no, wait, because you start with loadouts, of course. Yeah, so you can Normal. see where the guns are. I mean, there's a gun right in front of you and next to you on the spawn. But if you oh. want some better guns, you just have to look for them on the field. That sounds like Unreal Tournament. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I really liked it. And the graphics are nice on PlayStation. It really plays nice. Um, I had some sweet kills. I recorded some of them. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited for Modern Warfare. And I know that there's a open beta coming in September. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. Because there there will be more modes. This was... Yeah, eventually you want to play something else, you know. And I like the gunfight. But it's not a mode I'll play the whole day. Yeah. So I was excited for that. Uh, played a lot of that. And then I think about it. Did I play anything else? I played some uh, Formula One again. I won the race in uh, Baku, which is a city circuit. So it's really tight corners, really small spaces, not a lot of room to uh, overtake. And I qualified pole position, so first. And after three laps, I got overtaken by Lewis Hamilton in his Mercedes because, yeah, duh, his car is faster. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? I'm just content with ending second. And for some miracle, we hit the pit together and then in quickly exited both. And then in one of the corners, I was able to overtake him. And for the wow. remainder of the race, he kept breathing down my neck. So I was constantly playing with the fuel. So in the game, you can manage your fuel. You can set it to lean or to um, um, extend it. Or I don't know the exact term. So you can manage your fuel line and that way you can have more performance or less performance save up. I was constantly playing with that on the straights, trying to win some seconds and win some win some distance. Eventually, I did finish first, but it was a really intense race. That's what I kind of liked about this one because it's also that you have to mind all the corners. They're really small gaps, so you can easily crash your car into the wall. It was a really intense uh, race. I was really happy with it. Mm, awesome. Yeah. And that's Good on you. Basically it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, at least until your PC gets fixed, you know where you can where you, where you can get your gaming on. Yeah, the hard part is is I really find it hard to motivate myself to play on my PlayStation. But maybe that's because, and I've said this before, 
we're in a gap here. So there's a lack of really good games on PlayStation. And the really good games or the fun games are start are gonna come out starting September, October. Did you finish Days Gone? It's still at a friend that I I borrowed. Oh right. Yeah, I yeah. borrowed it to a friend and that friend is on holiday, so I can't play Days Gone. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. You told me about that. That's okay. I hope I'm going to get All it right. back this week, so. All right. Well, hopefully you get it back soon then. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess that's it for what we've been playing, unless you have anything else. No, that's basically it. Stick around while we switch to our hidden gems. All righty. And welcome back to the final segment, which is, of course, our hidden gems. Um, Sean Templar, would you share with us your hidden gem for this episode? I would love to share my hidden gem for this episode. Uh, my hidden gem is a PS3 game called Infamous and is made by Sucker Punch. You might know Sucker Punch from infamous on ps4 (laughs) 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 or uh, from their upcoming game ghost of tushima which is looking really cool and the original developers of the sly the lion cooper franchise on ps2 Yeah. yeah yeah and what i love about infamous is that um infamous is a game in which you play as a character called cole mcgrath it's in a fictional city uh which was inspired by real life cities and a there's a certain cataclysmic event that happens. And after that event, you go into a coma. And when you come out of that coma, you have superpowers. Yay! Yay! You have the ability to manipulate electricity, which is mm-hmm. a really cool superpower to have. Um, and at the time when the game came out, it was, um, it was funny. It was facing off against another game made by Activision called Prototype. And a lot of people compared those games to each other because it was also in Infamous, you play as a, you can, the, the beauty about it is you can choose to be either the superhero or the villain. So based on the actions or choices you make in a game, the story takes a different ending and of course a different path. But you also see those things back in your character. So you see, for example, that he's getting this, his clothes are really dirty, his skin has become really dark, his veins are becoming black. So your character really reflects your choices. And you mm-hmm. see it in the city as well. The city could be, if it's bad influence, for example, the city is decaying, there's a lot of trash, street signage not working, lights not working, people running away from you when you walk on the street. Uh, whereas if you're the good guy, when you walk on the street, people approach you and they're cheering and they're really happy and the city is really bright and colorful. Um, so that was really cool that it was one of those first open world games in which choice really played a part. Um, and that was really cool. And then there's a deep RPG mechanics behind it. So you get to develop your characters and yeah, you have level up. Tree going on yeah, there, yeah. yeah, you get abilities to, for example, um, your character is a a bike courier so you have just like in assassin's creed you have a parkour system which you can just climb up everything and then you would have these abilities to boost yourself up with your hands because you could create some kind of shock wave that would allow you to glide over things you could um uh, slide down electricity lines and charge up yourself and at the same time zap uh, people the funny thing about the, the electricity powers is they were kind of shooter inspired 
So you had this really fast electricity bolts you can fire, which was to replicate either a machine gun or assault rifle. You could shoot this really focused, uh, long-stretching bolt that was uh, compared to a sniper rifle. So there were these different kind of electric electricity skills that were just kind of pretending to be real-life weapons. That was really fun about it. And it was compared to Prototype a lot because one, it came out in the same time. And second, it was that in Prototype, you were a villain or you played kind of a villain because you were the guy and there was some experimentation done in you and you wanted to get payback and revenge. And luckily, Prototype didn't fare well because it was buggy and the story was a bit lackluster. It did get a sequel, though. Yeah, it did get a sequel, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. And to be fair, though, Prototype, did have its fans, yeah, and it did have some critical acclaim, mostly because the developers behind that game were the same developers that did, um, wasn't the Incredible Hulk, but I think it was, they did a Hulk game that was really good, where you just went around and smashed stuff and just wreaked havoc. And you can kind of see that back in Prototype, but I get the comparison. I think the reason why people compare it to um uh infamous is because both i what i forget the, i think it's called alex or something and cole from uh from infamous they both have a similar ability where they um can uh, ride over certain lines so cole can travel over power lines yeah. like he's serving on it which is really cool by the way um and alex can do that too but with people yeah yeah the the developer behind um uh prototype was radical entertainment and they were indeed known for a hulk game they made the the scarface game scarface the world is yours i played that one that was really fun i played the wii version of that was that fun it was until the controls bugged out and i sold it (laughs) yeah so uh just a little quick tangent for whatever reason they put taunt on the motion controls on the on the nunchuck on the Wii. And one time it got stuck on that. So I couldn't do anything. I couldn't shoot. I couldn't run. Tony Montana was only taunting the whole time. <laughs> just walking around the gun, taunting. I couldn't do anything. After a week, I was done. Sold the day. Oh, man, I can't imagine that being really fun because that game is full of swearing. So I can't imagine that it's pretty funny that he's just constantly yeah. swearing at things. Well, that's the fun part. It's he stopped swearing and just did the talk oh, on its own, sucks. the animation. So it was just stuck on oh, the animation. That's too bad. Yeah, which is which is really disappointing because that was the closest thing to GTA I had played in a really uh, by that time. I really like that game. Maybe I should just pick it up on PS2 again. It's not a bad game. It's just the Wii, the avoid the Wii version yeah. at all costs. But getting back to Infamous. Um... Yeah, I really liked the game because it had this. It had a really good story. It had some plot twists in it that I really didn't expect, especially the ending. When I got to the ending, I was mm-hmm. when the plot twist happened. I thought, "Oh shit! I didn't see this one coming." That was really good. What was your orient? What was your orientation? Uh, I played the good guy. The funny thing oh, is, is, okay. is in real life, I might sometimes be a mean person, as people sometimes say it. And I, I always say it's just mm-hmm. honesty, and people just can't handle honesty sometimes. But in games, I always choose the, uh-huh. the good guy. Yeah, I, but um, okay, so I have actually played Infamous because it was 
if I'm not mistaken, it was part of PlayStation Plus on the PlayStation I think Three. So, yeah. And I um and I got that when I think I first got my PlayStation Three back in the day, which was years after the PlayStation Three came out. So I got it on the cheap, and um, I got PlayStation Plus on the cheap back then too because it was on discount. And that one time I was playing at and. The thing that I do notice is that when you choose a side, you kind of have to stick to it. You can't really go gray area in that. Yeah, it was really black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of disappointing because I would, I would love to see a mix of the two powers because, you know, if you're playing, you know, order, your powers are pretty cool, but you kind of would like some of the powers of the chaos. Yeah. But you know, you had you had to commit. Yeah. So. yeah, what's cool about it is that pretty yeah, game, it was bro. really pretty, and um, the game got a sequel also on PlayStation Three, Infamous Two, real name, and that was set in a mm-hmm. fictional city called New Marais, which was basically New Orleans. Um, it was really yeah. cool because the environment was really varied. You had different powers. You could also this time instead of just rely on the electricity powers. You could also discover new powers, such as an ice power that would have different benefits and it would also be required to solve different puzzles. You had this huge, I would call it a cattle rod that you could use to beat enemies yeah. as a melee weapon. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. that was really fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really liked that one too. And they explored more of the, they kind of tried to step away from the black and white choices and inc- introduced like a gray area, which was also nice. And then... Um, they also brought out DLC for that called Festival of Blood, I believe, which was kind of uh, fictional around that there were some vampire plagues uh, because New Marais or New Orleans has this huge graveyard and that you would have to solve missions, puzzles and missions there. It was a pretty expensive expansion for an expansion. Really? Yeah. Do you remember the price? I think it was around 20 or 30 bucks, but you would really get a lot of hours back for it. Oh, yeah, that's, that that seems fair. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the time. average that it is now for like a season pass. So. Yeah. And then when they first announced the PS4, they announced Infamous Second Son, which is to date, I think, still one of the prettiest games out there on PS4. Well, it came out in the pretty soon after the PlayStation 4 launched. It was one of those first titles that really showed off the power of the PS4 in the beginning. And in this mm-hmm. game, you played as a completely different character. I, I forgot his name. I'd have to look that up. But um, his, um, his the game is played a few years after set after the second infamous, and you as a character, uh, you're a young guy. I believe you're just either out of college or you're a college dropout, and then something happens again, and you start to develop powers, and those powers are smoke. I think we'll put it that way. Oh yeah, there was smoke. Yeah, and you would have a melee weapon, which was a chain, and you could use uh, smoke, for example, to travel through air ducts. Uh, and there was some kind of concrete-esque power, because you could, in this game, also learn powers from other characters or abilities. Uh, so it was sort of a nice... Well, learn, in quotes, more... Steel. Yeah, you would absorb it from them. Um, and then in this, in this case, the bad guy was this kind of... Um, I, call, I think it was called the DCP, something like that, kind of like an uh, FBI, private military company yeah. that is yeah, the DCP. Yeah, created to manage mutants, as I call it in this case. Um, and then they would uh, have this human, tremendous power. They would set up 
control points throughout the city and the government would just all allow it because they were hired to create order in that mutant chaos. Um, I think the game was part of PlayStation Plus and the game also got an expansion called First Light in which you play as a female character you meet in, meet in the original game. She had uh, neon powers, which was really cool because she could run really fast and manipulate neon signs, energy and stuff, stuff like that. Um, I have that. Yeah, I, I finished that. I have it as well. I really liked it. I mean, besides it looking pretty, the story was really cool. Environments really varied. Puzzles in there. Boss fights pretty good. Um, and it was one of those games on PS4 that really wowed me when I got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, was it was it called? Yeah, it was called First Light. Yeah. I played. The, that's one of the first things that I actually played when I got my PlayStation Four. Nice. So. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Um, yeah, the infamous like I don't. The infamous series is something that it has its fans, but I feel that either Sony or Sucker Punch they tried to make it a thing, but after First Light, they were like, sure. I don't know if they wanted to go on with a new infamous or that maybe they wanted to focus on a new ip because based on what they've shown and told around ghost of tushima they were kind of ready for a new ip they wanted to branch off and what you kind of see with uh, all the sony developers is that they generally tend to create one or two ips per generation and then continue that ip into the next but also create another new ip yeah. so for example um Naughty Dog used to have Jack Crash Bandicoot on PlayStation 1, and then Jack and Daxter on PlayStation 2, and then Uncharted on PS3, and then they also created Last of Us on PS3, and then they carried that over to PS4. So sometimes they just create new IPs and then bring it over to a new gen, or sometimes they just spin off something completely different. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's my hint, Jim. What's yours? Well, my hidden gem, believe it or not, is also a PlayStation game. That's not possible. I'm going a little, I'm going a little bit back in time here. Um, it's a PlayStation One game. Um, it is a PlayStation One game because I did not get an N64 as a kid because I wanted to play the JRPGs, and this is a JRPG. You made a good choice by skipping out on the N64. I'm proud of you. No, I didn't. And I regretted it every day since. No, 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 no. But you made a really good choice. Point. Really good. No. If no, only you had no. carried on that tradition. Ah, funny. <laughs> no, but uh, this this is one of those games that um, I'm really glad that I did get to play. It's called Tales of Destiny. Um, it is the second in line of a whole series um, called the Tales of series. The first one was never officially released. Um, in the West called Tales of uh, Fantasia, which was Japan only. Um, it did get a re-release on the Game Boy Advance, I think six or seven years after the original release. No, more than 10 years after the original release on the Super Nintendo. It was one of the last JRPGs that came out. Um, but Tales of Destiny was the first Destiny game that I ever played. And it is a very unique RPG, uh, JRPG. If you've seen stuff like Final Fantasy or um, what's it called again? Final Fantasy or Chrono Trigger or Suikoden, 
then you know all of these games are turn-based. But then you have the action kind of games like Secret of Mana, my favorite game of all time, um, which is action-orientated. This takes, well, it's not turn-based because it's an action game, but it takes that action and it turns it uh, and makes it part of what you do when you have a turn-based RPG, which is having random encounters. So in Tales of Destiny, when you get a random encounter, instead of you know selecting an attack, watching it play out, you actually actively take part in the battle, but everything is all in 2D side-scrolling. So it's it kind of looks like a flat version of um, Streets of Rage, if you've ever played that, or I don't know Final these games. Fight, if you've ever played that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but I played Time Crisis when it was in an arcade. I love Time Crisis. I played that one on PS1 as well. I love Time Crisis too. I love Time Crisis too, but yeah, come on, man. Anyway, um, that was the hook for Tales of Destiny, and that's basically been the hook for um, the Tales of series is that it's an action-orientated JRPG, but you still have random encounters. Um, not so much so in the present. Now you can actually see the enemy on the overworld and then choose to engage them if you want to. But back then, you did not have that choice. And it was really fun because you had so much, so many things to do in Tales of Destiny. Um, the story was hilarious. Well, not hilarious. There was a lot of comedy in Tales of Destiny, but it wasn't the driving force. For some reason, I keep thinking that it was a hilarious story, but it's not. About the world ending. Um, but it does start out in a very funny way because it starts off with this kid in an airship who is a stowaway. So, you know, kids, buy your plane tickets before you get on the plane. Otherwise, the air marshals will get you and try to toss you <laughs> off the plane. Which they, which, well, they didn't toss him off the plane, but he did have to jump off board. But before he did that, he ran into a sword that talked to him, called Dimlos. Wow. Oh, wait, did I say the character's main name? The character's name, by the way, is called Stan Erlon. Awesome name, by the way. What? Cool hair. How was he called? Stan Erlon. Okay. Uh, sorry, Erron, not Erlon. Um, and he comes across this talking sword called Dimlos, and he starts talking to him. It's like, well, you're, I guess you're the only one who can hear me, so you're my new master now. And he was like, hey, oh, hey, I did not sign up for this. And then he got caught, so he had to jump off board. He did manage to land safely, which is really weird because he jumped out of a air thing. doesn't matter. Um, and then the game starts, and the first time you do the battle, you're like, oh, wow, wait, what, what am I doing? And then you start doing the battles. You learn new abilities. Um, you meet a cast of colorful characters. Um, even one of, of course, one of the tropes is, of course, your childhood friend joins your team. Um, this one is called Ruti Katreya. She's awesome, by the way. She also gets a talking sword called Atwhite. And he's, it's so funny because all these characters, including the swords, all have individual personalities. So Atwhite is this very, like, straight-laced kind of sword. <laughs> <laughs> seriously and 
and there's this other guy called uh, Leon who also has a sword and uh, called Shaltier and Shalter is kind of a mm, well the guy that he's with Leon is like this straight laced soldier you know he takes his job seriously he takes the fact that he has this talking sword with, which they call Swordians uh, seriously um, but his sword is just like, you gotta relax, man. You gotta chill. You gotta be like Stan. And he's like, no, no, I have to follow the rules and stuff like that. It's just, it's so, it's so much fun. And the battle mechanics is so cool. And it's not just the battle mechanics. Like there's so much in this game that you can do. It's not just, oh, you fell into your destiny. Now you have to save the world. It's, you have to do that. But if you want to, there's this very elaborate side story where you uh, have to make all these recipes. You can find these recipes in the world and you can actually cook food, which actually has a benefit in the game itself. You make the food and you put it in your, uh, you have a special pouch where you can put food in. And whenever you get into a battle and you get hurt, normally what happens, of course, is that you have to heal yourself with items, right? When you play any games with potions or something with potions, whatever, those are still in there. But because of the food sack, when you put food in there, whenever you finish a battle and you start walking, you eat food and automatically replenish your health. Yeah, that's cool. Which is really cool. And it's, that's a thing that's stuck around since the beginning. So that's one of the things. Um, it sounds like a pretty from. expensive game for a PlayStation 1 game. Oh, I I haven't even gotten to it yet. There are side quests in there that will take you on a whole different route, completely off the beaten path. And just and when by the time you're done, you're like, oh, right, I'm supposed to save the world. Um, but yeah, it is very, ex- it is very extensive. You have these moments, um, what they call skits, where you can actually talk to fellow party members and they don't necessarily talk about the task at hand. They just talk about random stuff like friends. So you reach, you'll reach a new town and one of them will make a remark of, oh, this town is really nice. And one of them will say something like, well, this is a, this is a dump and I've, that I've never been in. Can we just get our stuff and leave? And they'll have this whole entire conversation and you're just sitting there and just watching it. And that's why I associate it with comedy because those kids are just, really funny (laughs) because it's either just them or them talking through their swords and since they're the only ones that can understand the swordians people around you don't hear the swords talking because they can talk to each other's swords each other's swords but people around you can't hear that so that means that these people think that you're all insane which is hilarious when you think about it. Um, yeah, that ah, that's such a good game. It came out. When did it come out again? It came out in '98. So that was really fun. It was a really fun game. It got a sequel that never, ever got localized, called Tales of Destiny Two, which picks up from where they left off in the original game. Um. Which really sucks because they uh, a spinoff called Tales of 
Eternia got relabeled Tales of Destiny 2. And it, in a fit of what you can only call Final Fantasy Itis, um, yeah, for whatever reason, they, uh, it's so stupid. So stupid that they renamed that. So it was a little bit confusing back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that there was this thing called Tales of Destiny 2 that had nothing to do with Tales of Destiny other than the fact that it was made by the same team and had a completely different story and cast members and what have you. It's just, I mean, the rest is just fine. It's just, I kind of wish they didn't make that stupid blunder, which is kind of funny because that Tales of Tarnia did get a port to the PSP with the appropriate title afterwards. So figure that one out. It sounds like a lot of those uh, RPG, JRPGs back in the day didn't get a lot of localization. Maybe because it was it was no. specifically focused at Japanese market. Maybe Western audiences weren't really waiting well, for it. Really. Or... No, not really. I mean, after Final Fantasy VII, everybody wanted a piece of the pie. But um, the thing you have to remember here is that JRPGs have a lot of talking. Yeah, it's all story. Like there's combat in it, but there's it's all story. Like even freaking Fire Emblem that I'm playing right now has so much conversation. It's all voiced, by the way, in Fire Emblem, which you did not have the luxury of in Tales of Destiny because, of course, it was on a PlayStation, so. Everything was just text. So you had to read it all and you had to keep pressing the button to continue. But it was worth it. It's a great game. I still stand by it. I hope someday that we'll get a HD remastered where the hand-drawn art is like super crystal clear and it's widescreen and I can play it on my PlayStation 4 or whatever. Hopefully on my Switch because honestly that would make a way, way better fit because it's a JRPG and it takes too long. And yeah, it's a fun romp. That whole series is a fun romp. If you are looking to play a Tales of game, just look at what the latest Tales of game is that is available for the system that you own. Um, recently, they started appearing on PC as well. So look for it there. Look for it on your Xbox One. Look for it on your PlayStation 4. I wish we had them on Switch, but who knows what the future holds. Actually, yeah, who knows <laughs> what the future holds. Um, I was about to say that the latest version was also announced for... Wait, the latest version was announced for Switch. Hang on, let me check real quick. Um, Tales of Arise coming in 2020. No, sorry. No, I'm bad. I thought it was coming to Switch because it's an Unreal Engine 4 game. It's not. But who knows? It can always change. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. But Tales of Arise looks insanely awesome so i'm gonna get it either way to hear that yeah so that was my hidden gem i'm kind of amazed by this title because it sounds really like i i kind of feel bummed that i missed out on it even though i'm not a huge jrpg fan when you're telling it to me in this way um i am actually bummed that i didn't play this one because it sounds so expansive and so detailed and how many hours did you uh, put into it to finish it again uh i don't think did you ever finish it i think i did but it wasn't my own playthrough because i played it with my cousin because he owned it 
and we played it together. We, I think we did finish it, but I, it's kind of vague. Oh, I almost forgot one more important part. Much like Secret of Mana, Tales of Destiny has multiplayer. Oh, how does yes. that work for JRPG? Well, since it's an action game, um, player one controls the party. Yeah. So that means that the player one dictates where you go. But in the battles, every player controls a character because you have a max party of four. Mm -hmm. So that means you can have a max of four characters. The only thing that that is hampering that is two things. One, if you want to play three players, you need a multi-tap. And two, you can only do multiplayer if you're if the character is wearing a specific accessory. Well, why is that? I don't know why they did that, but that's how they did it for Tales of Destiny. And here's the thing. You can't buy that accessory. You the the you get one of these things. It's called a channeling ring. Get it? Channeling? Yeah. Because you're channeling your controls. So you get this channeling ring early on in the game. One. You can't buy it anywhere else. So if you do something stupid, like say toss it because your bag is full, or you don't think it's important, or two, you sell it because you're broke and the thing actually gives you a lot of money, yeah. then you're kind of out of luck because there's only one other channeling ring in the whole game, and that doesn't come in until, I think, the second half of the story? Oh, that sucks. So if you want to do three-player um, Tales of Destiny, you have to be beyond like half the story before you even get the chance to do that. Um, but yeah, we played that two-player. I played one character, and he played the other. He played Stan, and I was Ruti. No, sorry. Yeah, I was Ruti, because Ruti is awesome. Nice. Ah, good to hear. She's a kick-ass lady. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was trying to look and see if Tales of Destiny is actually on the PlayStation Store. Uh, that would be nice. I hope the multiplayer part's in there, if it's, if it's there. Well, if... I mean, if it's... if it, Yeah, it's not there. No Tales of Destiny. At least not in the European store. Maybe it is on the US store because the US store has like a bunch of rare games. Another one that I actually want to talk about, so I'm not going to spoil it here right now. But <laughs> yeah. So again, if you find a way to find Tales of Destiny and you have a PlayStation 3 that has PlayStation 1 backwards compatibility, get it because it's awesome. I have those one of those PS3s lying around, so maybe I'll just do it. Yeah. I mean, it can't be that expensive to get it i hope i don't know it is a jrpg so those things do tend to keep their value especially if they're rare yeah oh all right so that has been it for this episode of game rivals um we want to thank you guys for listening as always um you can catch us on any of the podcast platforms you can catch us on anchor which is our home um, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Over Overcast, Spotify, uh, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can get in touch with us through email. You can email us at gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. You can uh, send us a tweet uh, at game underscore rivals underscore. You can tweet at me at Maximilian. Uh, you can send us a so a voice message, which you can find the link in the description. 
You don't need an Anchor account to do it. You can just click on the link or copy-paste the link and leave us a voice message uh, of what you think of the show. Um, you can leave us a review on whatever podcasting uh, program that you're using. Uh, please give us a five-star rating because that will allow the algorithm to know that people do like our content and will push us more up so that we get this stuff discovered more. And don't forget to subscribe so you can tune in every other week when we're there. Yeah. And also share the word. Just let people know that we exist. Um, let them know that we are a cool, a cool gaming podcast to listen to. And uh, I guess that is. Is there any other, anything else you want to share with the beautiful audience, Sean Templar? I just want to thank everybody for tuning in every week. That motivates us to keep this show on the road and keep on going. Yes, it does so much. So again, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, this is Maximilian X. And I am Sean Templar. Signing off and have a good day.